When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. It's been a while. I hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, Tim Ryder, Taryn is, uh, is, is off for, uh, for a bit of a hiatus. Life got in the way, as it happens for all of us. It's part of the reason I haven't been around, but we're still cooking. Um, speaking of cooking, the New York Mets are cooking. Um... I guess last we spoke was before the trade deadline. Uh, and of course, you guys all, we don't have to recap what happened there. The team has been since, has since been depleted on uh, pretty much all fronts. You know, the, the, it's, it's a half a lineup. It's a half a rotation. Miraculously, the Mets, and you know, we know Miracle Mets are absolutely a thing, but this team is, has come together since the beginning of August. Um, not sure what could have coincided with August 1st, of course. But before we get into the stats or standings, let's put this out there and let's be frank about it. You can talk about the Mets' little recent burst, um, and, and you can look at it, oh, well, the pressure's off now. Well, you know, the pressure's kind of still there. You know, they are, and this is going into uh, Monday, or at least into the Sunday night game. The Mets are seven games out in the wild card. So, improbable. Nothing's impossible, but improbable. And that still hasn't changed. But this team has shown life. And regardless of whether what the roster looks like, Another week like they just had, which was, well, week plus, winning six out of eight starting with the last game of the Atlanta series last weekend. Um, you know, you have a fighting chance. As we've seen many times in the past, a fighting chance is all you need. So where the Mets stand now, having just rattled off, excuse me, rattled off, as I said, six of eight, they took, let's go look for it, two or three from Pittsburgh. Again, started off with the win in Atlanta, uh, at home versus Atlanta last Sunday. Two or three versus Pittsburgh, and three or four versus St. Louis. Uh, took three in a row of, the, of, the, of four out of the first, uh, took the first three out of four, lost on Sunday. And now they head to Atlanta to play the best offense, arguably, in baseball, if not most certainly the National League. And um, you guys can talk about fight. You can talk about tanking. Another note to, to bring up. Guys, I know the draft. I know how important a draft pick would be. The Mets have done okay with their draft picks. Um, a top six draft pick would be huge. They would have to fall within the... Uh, 
bottom six uh, in the standings in Major League Baseball. Again, there would need to be work done. The Mets would need to lose a lot of games to, to, to fall back into that spot. They had a nice little stretch recently. But in that same respect, I find it, one, very hard to believe. Two, next to impossible, <laughs> we'll go back to improbable, that 26 ball players who play in the highest league in the world in one of the most lucrative, one of the most sought after, one of the most, I don't want to say cutthroat, but, you know, your career could end at any time if you're a fringe guy. So it's a cutthroat business. You're going to have guys actively lose games, actively make outs, actively allow runs when their livelihood depends on it. Guys, I'm sorry. I, I don't I can't imagine the Mets or any other Major League Baseball team act. I mean, we've seen other pro sports do it, but one, you've only got you've got smaller rosters in some sports. You've got draft picks that can make an immediate impact in some sports. Baseball, that's not the case. You can draft a guy number one. He's still a crapshoot. Might be a a better odds on that crapshoot, but it's still a crapshoot. No. Any way you slice it up, no one's a sure thing. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, if the Mets were to lose a bunch of games and get the pick, that's cool. But I cannot foresee them tanking, which has been part of the narrative on social media over the last few weeks. And I just can't grasp it. I put it out there on Sunday. On, on I'm going to still call it Twitter. I don't give a shit. And it, it just makes zero sense. Why would any Major League Baseball player make themselves look worse with so much being on the table. It just, it makes zero sense to me and, and I don't buy it. Um, I hope, I mean, just as a fan, I hope the Mets can finish strong. I hope the Mets can win some games. Let's put the market finish in 500, which would be, you know, still a bit of a stretch. Where are they today? 58 and 67 with, uh, so they got 125. Uh, just under 40 games left, they would have to go nine over 500 in those in those games. Well, I have a you know a plus nine record in those games to, uh, to 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 hit that point. The Mets can do that over the last few weeks, make up nine games in their win loss record, especially against who they're about to be facing. When you look at their upcoming schedule, which happens to be a bunch of wild card teams, uh, so you got Atlanta, the Angels, which should be a very cool series, <laughs> the Rangers, which you might even line up with uh, with Scherzer on one of those days. Of course, if you guys haven't been paying attention, Max Scherzer was traded back on uh, at the trade deadline. We haven't been back, so just in case I'm your only place for Mets news, wink, wink. I know I'm not. Um, yeah, maybe we'll see him that day. Then you got Seattle, who's on an absolute torrid stretch. Julio Rodriguez, he had three straight, I'm sorry, four consecutive four-hit games over this weekend back into, I guess, Thursday. Uh, that's uh, um, Thursday, Friday, uh, thir Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I believe. And that's just ridiculous. But then you got Washington, Minnesota, again, 
Washington's been playing tough this year. Minnesota's no slouch. <laughs> Over the last one, two, three, three weeks and day of the season, the Mets got Arizona, Cincinnati, Miami, Philly, Miami, and Philly. In that order. Guys, if the Mets have any life if they re- when the- once they reach that stretch and momentum and shooting for a 500 record and then in that- at that point maybe shooting for a wild card, this is not out of the realm of possibility. Am I saying it's going to happen? Absolutely not. There's a high probability that none of this is going to happen, that they're going to lose three to the Braves and be out of the conversation by the next time we record. It, it, that is certainly on the table, and it can't be discounted at this point either. But things could get very, very, very interesting if uh, if things can break the, the right way for the Mets. Now, if you look at what they've been doing just over the last, you know, let's what's today, the 20th? Let's, let's go to the last 30 days just to give an idea of what this team's been doing. So this is into towards the end of July. 277, 383, 733. You can guess who that is. That's uh, tremendous meat, Pete Alonzo. <laughs> uh, he has 13 home runs over that span, five doubles, 31 driven in, 28 runs scored. So he's doing it on all fronts. That's over his last 101 plate appearances. As a matter of fact, it's going on Twitter as we speak. You guys can get an idea of of my time frame here. Pete Alonzo, over his last 101 at bats, he's hitting 277, 383, 733, 13, and you guys are gonna hear the whole thing, because you get to hear it again. 13 home runs, 31 driven in, and 28 runs scored. He's just on an absolute tear. That's ridiculous. Where is our guy, Francisco Lindor? Oh, well, if we want to talk about a tear, Francisco Lindor over the same span, over the same amount of, uh, of bats as well, 101 bats. Hitting 347, 411, 505. Jeff McNeil over 110 at bats. 309, 364, 445. Like, oh, Brandon Nimmo, 287, 382. That's more like it, Nims. 437. He's got three homers and four doubles over that stretch. We love that. I mean, what else we got here? Tim LaCastro has been a little hot since coming back. We love to see that. Let me look at the last 14 days and look at what uh, DJ Stewart over the last seven, sorry. (laughs) Over his last five games, DJ Stewart has four home runs, five runs scored, hitting 353, 389, 1059 slugging with a 1448 OPS over that span. That's not bad, guys. Again, these are the types of things that you look for in a team that's still alive. Any sign of, of, of pulse is good. Vital signs are a good sign, whether you're talking about this season and whatever run they can make over the last 
40 odd games or you're talking about next year when you know these are core guys they're gonna be here next year I put this tweet out on Twitter probably midweek this is still a good core these guys are all hitting when the cards are down they're not they're not stopping I can speak just from my own personal experience I've been discouraged and I've stopped before and it's not a great feeling because you know how hard it is to get back out of that funk it's tough nobody wants to go into a long off season a long winter with that on the tip of their tongue forget it these are professionals they're gonna finish strong they're gonna well as finish as strong as they can they're gonna put in the work this winter and they're gonna go into next season with the same expectation to succeed that's what professionals do did this team have a really, really, really bad first three quarters of the season? Absolutely. Absolutely. There was next to nothing to be excited about. Lo and behold, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, the clubhouse gets shaken up to such a degree. Look, guys, we don't know. We, we heard, we all read Mike Puma's report in the Post that there was a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors. There was some friction between players and Max and Verlander. And in the clubhouse, there was, there was a rift. Whatever. That stuff happens. You've got 26 adults living, 26 plus adults living as a family for six months. You can't expect everyone to get along. you got to work together as a team. And obviously something was wrong. If you're looking at the turnaround they've experienced over the last three weeks, almost three weeks, maybe maybe stuff was a lot worse than, than we were being told, the, even what Puma was reporting. You ship Max and Verlander out, and all of a sudden this team wakes up. All of a sudden you have guys playing accountable baseball. You have guys playing with heart, with fire, with determination, looking like they actually want to win games, not fall into the... BS nonsense narrative that we're hearing that guys want to tank and, and the stuff we heard on local sports radio of that that Pete Alonzo with a clubhouse cancer. Guys, enough, enough, enough. This is the core. Was it a really bad year? Absolutely was. This is the core. We have the richest owner in, in this sport who is a diehard baseball, diehard Mets fan who Clearly, yeah. Are they going to put themselves out there like they did this year financially? Probably not. It's going to take a little uh, licking of the wounds after what happened this year. But in the same breath, what they were able to do with the deadline, pulling in an entire influx of top-level prospects, it changed the vibes. You turned lemons into lemonade like few teams have been able to do in the past. We talked about it on the show previously. Let's look at the 2015 Padres. Preller went out and spent all that money, realized, oh, I made a big mistake, sold everything, built the biggest, well, one of the best farm systems that we've seen in probably the last 15, 20, 30 years. Just, I mean, and, and <laughs> what you see and like what the Reds are doing now, I mean, that's very impressive. But, I mean, the, the Padres were able to go from also Rands to relevance to now they're in the same boat as the Mets. But still, they were able to do that with their prospects, trading them bringing them up, doing whatever they can to make the big league roster better. And, it, you know, you could say it worked. The, the Padres are relevant again. The Mets are also relevant again. The Mets won 101 games last year. 
it might be a while before they win 101 games again, but I cannot foresee this team not being at least somewhat competitive, even with a lower payroll next year. You have, we just talked about the core that's still going to be here. Look at what Kodai Sanga has been able to do this year. I mean, he started off slow. If you guys have been listening, by the way, I got a new little gig we're doing. It's over at Pro Sports Fans. You get the app on, uh, it's just on Apple App Store right now. It's not on Android. So, you know, when it comes out, we'll let you guys know. But we were talking about this this week. I mean, once, uh, oh, by the way, Pro Sports Fans, get the app, go to Mets Fans. And, and my chats will be live. Yeah, my streams will be live in that little room, in that chat room. Um, but if you look at what Sang has done, let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna open up his game logs. He had a very tough stretch to start the year. I think everyone was very aware of this. Um, Mets fans, of course, were very aware of this. <coughs> Excuse me. You have. A guy that everyone was very hyped up about, and, you know, he started off mediocre, I guess you could say. Well, since that mediocre start, let's let's go back to, where's my Erd runs at? Since May 17th. That's May 17th. That's 16 starts. Sanga's got a 2.82 ERA. 3.07, excuse me, 3.07 fielding independent independent pitching rating, 10.78 Ks per nine. His walks per nine are 3.69, but if you look since June 23rd, he hasn't walked more than three batters in the game. He's only, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. June 10th, he hasn't walked more than three batters in the game. He's only walked three twice. And he's got outings of seven innings, six innings, six innings, five and two-thirds, six. There's a 3.1 in there. Don't look at that. <laughs> six, eight. I mean, not only has Kodai Sanga gotten comfortable in the major leagues, um, he's pushed himself into the conversation of, you know, ace-level guy. I mean, just look at what he's done with his pitch arsenal. Again, we talked about this on PSF, but uh, we're still very young, so maybe you guys probably didn't hear that. But let's bring up Sanga's, not Sega, Sanga StatCast. And just look at what he's been able to do. Now, I mean, the ghost fork is incredible. He's got one of the highest whiff rates on any single pitch in baseball with it. It's ridiculous. But what people aren't getting into, wait. Before we do this, we're going to take a break. It's not a long episode. I don't want to miss the ad break. Hang tight. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about Kodai Sanger's... It's not even a mystery pitch, but it doesn't get the, the attention and recognition and appreciation it deserves. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And here we go. Guys, we are back. We're going to talk about Kodai Sanger, and we're not going to talk. Well, we're going to. 
like I said, we'll talk about his forkball. Uh, 128 batting average against, 58.6 whiff, uh, whiff rate, 58.6% whiff rate, uh, which is the highest in baseball for any single pitch. I believe Spencer Strider's at a 57 and change on his four seam. Slider? Uh, slider. My apologies, Slider. Now, if you look at Sanga's four seam, it's gotten hit relatively hard. 267. Um, I'm sorry, did I rattle off Sanga's whole line? 128 batting average. The slugging percentage on his fork ball was 152. I don't know if I said that, but that deserves a lot of recognition. That's your out pitch, and guys just can't put good contact on it. That's ridiculous. But let's talk about what leads him to the fork ball. So Sanga goes four seam, and it gets hit around a bunch, but guys, Sanga's four seam is not, it's doing what it's supposed to do, which is lull guys into a sense of, a sense of comfort. Like, oh, this guy's not so much. So he's throwing him four seams. What's your nasty four seams? He could change directions. He could change, um, I'm sorry, change uh, uh, location on it. He could change um, velocity on his four seam very, very nicely. He can get up to 99 if he wants to, which is outstanding. Actually, I have, oh, they don't have his high. But he averages 96 here. But I've seen him hit 98, 99 with his four seam if he, if he has to. And it's great with Sangha because everything leads into something else. He's never pitching without an intention behind it. It's um, it's actually quite magical to see him work. It's it's really really fun. But guys, Kodai Sangha's cutter it is what is doing a lot of his heavy work. And let's let's talk about one what he does zone swing profile. Pitch type, cutter. Now this is against all hitters. He's getting guys to swing all over the middle of the zone. 85, 85. These are all percentages, uh, swing percentages, middle of the zone. And now keep in mind, on these charts, you're looking at a 4x4 four four zone. So this is your center 4. 85%, 77%, 85%, 85%. That's how often guys are swinging at the cutter, right in the heart of the zone. With percentage. Next to nothing. Nothing crazy. 14%, 7%, 9%, Again, he's getting swings and misses, but the cutter isn't his swing and miss pitch. Let's look at the batting average on those middle four. If he keeps them too high, he gets tattooed. 417, 385. That's in that center four, the top two. You bring him down to the bottom, it's 250 and 200. That's his batting average in those two zones. Let's, tell, let's explain why. Because if he keeps that cutter low, let's say after he has something high, let's say he uses the cutter high, let's say he uses the fast, the four seam high. One, if you look at Kodai Sanga's release points, um, they're not identical. They're not like Jacob deGrom release points, but they're grouped together so or such that the cutter and the force, uh, the cutter and the fork, the ghost fork, until about that 45 foot 
point between the 60 foot 66 inches, if he's keeping that cutter low in the zone, they look exactly the same. They, they're coming directly at you. You could tell they're not four seams because they don't have that extra little oomph to them. Guys are either swinging at a cutter thinking it's going to drop. So they're ground balls. And I can actually go ahead and pull up his cutter ground ball rate, but I won't do that now. Um, or they're catching it weak contact because, again, they're not sure what to what's coming even if they're getting that split second to look at a spin or look at location, say, oh, I have an idea of what's coming. I'm committing. They drop off the fucking table. Excuse me. They drop off the table on them. Well, that's the fork ball. And with the cutter, guys are just so locked in on the fork after getting everything else throughout the, throughout the at-bat, whether it's a slide or the sweep or the four scene. He uses a curveball sometimes. I mean, whatever. It's keeping guys completely off balance, off uh, on their uh, – on their heels, and just not knowing what's coming next. Now, if you got a hitter in the box who's thinking or guessing, he's not hitting. He's not focusing on on the on the task at hand, which is see the ball, hit the ball. And guys who are all lined up can see it, identify it, commit to it, and put it in play without even thinking. Sanga's got these guys all twisted up trying to figure out what's coming next, trying to see, all right, this is this, and they're swinging at something. And I don't want to call it cheating because they're convinced. They're convinced that this cutter that's on the lower half of the of the zone that's coming in is about to be, is either going to be their cutter or going to be their um, their fork ball. And they're, oh, well, this is, a, this is a fork ball that's not forking. Let me get at it. And they try to get underneath it, and they're either going to pop it up, or they stay on top of it, and they're either going to ground it out. And it's, uh, he's a thinking man's pitcher. Like, all right, you looked at Jacob DeGrom, what Jacob DeGrom did to be dominant. He's going to hit four seams with precise command, and he's going to tuttle his slider so it does the same, it, it, it follows that same path, and then it just darts down either inside to lefties or outside to righties. It's just that that was what he did. And he could throw the changeup in when he wanted to. He could drop a curve in when he wanted to. But he was able to keep hitters. He, he could tell a guy, here comes the changeup. Here comes the slider. Here comes the fastball. And guys just couldn't touch it because he was that good. Sanga has guys on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. He's He's got great stuff. But he's playing chess out there, man. And it's just... Beautiful, beautiful to see. Um, boy, I, I mean, I could go on for a while talking about how impressed I am with Kodai Senga, but um, let's talk. I want to talk about the bullpen real quick before um, breaking off into a couple, a little bit of uh, our, our baby Mets, who in some cases are uh, no longer with the team, but will be, I'm sure, very very soon. Let's go to pitching. Let's go over the last 30 days. Quintana's been terrific. Terrific, terrific, terrific. 1.27 whip. Identical 2.93 ERA with uh, with Sanga over the last 30 days. Both of them have five starts. Identical 2.93 ERAs. David Peterson has a 1.96 ERA over his last... 
six appearances, three starts, which is just awesome to see. His walks are still way up, but um, he's coming around. It's funny, when he's in relief, his command is better. Maybe that's a mental thing, but something to look into. Um, hey, Mac, uh, Max Scherzer isn't on the team anymore. Guys, I like the Mets got Phil Bickford um, in the uh, in the trade deadline. Cash considerations, him and Adam Kalarik. Uh I like Phil Bickford, former high draft pick. Nice stuff. I'm hoping he can be a piece moving forward. We'll see. Adam Adovino's turned it on. He's got a 1.86 ERA over his last 11 appearances. You know, there's still pieces here, guys, and we can make this work. Um, I think just figuring out how is going to be the tough thing and actually, you know, making it work, making it happen. I mean, that's that's the, the tallest task is actually winning these games. You've got a lot of good teams coming up, and if they want to make waves, no matter the roster, you're going to have to win games. Um, I mean, Carlos Carrasco... Uh, was the opposite of a stopper on Sunday. The Mets were rolling, and, and you know, he's got a 9.53 ERA over his last six starts. Um, he looked dejected, defeated in his uh, post-game uh, post press conference on Sunday. Um, he talked about what the offseason might bring. He said, I'm not going to get into that, that deep. Uh, I'm just going to focus on finishing out strong. And, again, um, Cookie's been through a whole bunch in his career, and my goodness, if I don't tip my cap to him every chance I get, you know, at this point, we've seen flashes, but he might be at the end of his line. And if that's the case, I mean, nothing but love and respect to Cookie, but, you know, maybe the Mets look to Joey Lucchese, who came back uh, in his uh, first start back in, in quite some time on Saturday. And had a very, very nice outing. 5.2 innings of scoreless baseball. Allowed four hits. I have it all here. Wait, wait. I had it. I scrolled. Five strikeouts, two walks, which have been a huge issue for Joey Lucchese in the past. These are all things that have to be taken into consideration. Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill has been um, serviceable at times. Un inconsistent, unreliable at others, but I still believe in his stuff. If he can be back-end depth leading forward, this is all good. And whether the Mets make a run towards the wild card or not, these next six weeks are going to be extremely important in seeing what the Mets have for next year. If this if this season, the window's about, <laughs> if you guys can see it, the window's about that much close to being, uh, that much, that close to being shut. If once that window closes, the only objective left is to see what they have for next year. That leads us into what we're talking about on the final step today is the baby Mets. I'm not going to stick long on Francisco Alvarez. Yes, he's been struggling in the second half. He's, pro he's absolutely played more professional games this season than he ever has in a previous professional season. He's got... Uh, 21 home runs on the season, 22 home runs on the season, possibly. Uh, he's doing things that, you know, if you're not a rookie catcher named Mike Piazza or Johnny Bench, you know, I don't care about the batting average. He's got worlds of potential. He's going to be just fine. He's going through the natural ups and downs that rookies do, that all players do. It doesn't matter if you've been in this game for 10 years. You're going to go through slumps. It happens. you got a kid that's learning how to catch this level, learning how to face MLB pitching, 
and he's doing just fine. I don't know why anyone would think that Francisco Alvarez might not be that guy. Folks, he is that guy. He's going to be the catcher of the future, and you guys, you can write that on the wall. He, Francisco Alvarez is going to be an all-star one day. Francisco Alvarez is going to hit 40 home runs one day. Francisco Alvarez might even hit 260, 270 one day. We'll see. Francisco Alvarez is going to be a ball player. Now let's talk about Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty, folks, has a hit tool that carried him through the minors. A hit tool that impressed everybody over his first few weeks in the show. Brett Beatty was exposed once the league got a book on him. You know what's up now? Brett Beatty's turn to adjust. Guys, this is what Major League Baseball, this is what baseball at any level is. It's cat and mouse. It's adjustments. The league picked up on a rookie hitter who clearly has potential. They said, okay, these are his danger spots. Let's attack him. They did. And they got him so twisted up that he got sent back down to get figured out, which now he's performing very, very well, which just goes to show that the kid's a fighter. One, the kid's got all the talent in the world. Two, he's a fighter. He's not going to quit. Brett Beatty, no matter what we saw once Lee got in, got on him and got in his head, and he got in his own head, and uh, guys, he was just beaten up. He needed to be removed from the situation to build his confidence back. That's what this time now is for. Let him get it back. By the end of the season, he's going to be back. He's going to be up. He's going to see Major League pitching again. He's going to develop confidence. He's going to get better. He's going to have a new approach, a new adjustment, a new way to look at things because that's what good players do, whether it's with assistance from the organization, a teammate, a former teammate, a coach in the minors. Guys, can you look at this video and let me know what I'm – tell me what you see, anything. You can look at Brett Beatty's future and one – of course, you can't tell exactly what's going to happen, but he's here for a reason. I think we need to know that, and he needs to know that. If he's a good ball player with a good head on his shoulders, he does know that, and I have confidence he knows that. Maybe that's what got him so twisted up is that he knows he's a good player. Why is he struggling? And you know, once you get in your head, you need to step back and reset. That's cool. I find it very, very hard to believe that Brett Beatty's not going to be, at the very least, a serviceable major, a serviceable major league ball player. Um, he's not as strong at third base as uh, as we were hoping so far. Again, plenty of time to adjust, plenty of time to get better. Um, but the hit tool, man, he's going to. We all saw it. Just because he fell off a cliff against major league pitching for the first time over an extended period. That doesn't make him any less of a good player. That makes him a regular freaking ball player. That's just how it works. Pitchers adjust. Hitters got to adjust back. Pete Alonso does it probably every two or three weeks. Hitters have to say, oh, well, Pete's getting around on this one. We got to change it up. Oh, Pete's getting around on those outside on those outside breaking pitches. He's really putting them over to right field. It, you, pitchers adjust. Hitters adjust. It's cat and mouse. It happens. He's going to be fine. He's going to learn how to adjust. He's a young player with 300 plate appearances under his belt. It's going to be just fine. Mark Vientos, we said it from the start. Mark Vientos is a 
could be a prodigious power back. He really could. Is he going to be a lot more than a power guy? Time will tell, but at this point, his power is his calling card, and if he can develop that, which again, only way that's going to develop is at the major league level, once, of course, his, um, he's dealing with a uh, wrist, wrist tendonitis, I believe. Um, you know, if he can make it back before the end of the year, great. It's all about confidence. Baseball, anything. You get confident. If you're confident in what you're doing, you're better at what you're doing. Um, and in baseball, you know, the more success you have, the more confidence you have. The more success you have, the better you are at dealing with the times that you're just not finding any success. It's, 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 it's a beautiful game for a reason. And it's more than just a physical put the ball on the bat thing, uh, put the bat on the ball thing. You got to be mentally strong to play this game. And again, to make it this far, you have to have that fortitude. At this point, it's on them to, to just push themselves up to the next level. I, again, all the, all the confidence in the world and all three of those guys doing it, I guess we'll have to see. Um, which brings me to our last subject here is Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio, uh, yes, he's, he, his, he swings at anything he wants. But do you know why he swings at anything he wants? Because he can hit balls that are not good pitches very, very far. He's going to have to find some sort of give and take in that world. There's no other option. He has to. Um, at the, in the major leagues, so, you know, pitchers are good enough that they're just going to exploit that weakness. But he's going to uh, – I saw – oh, it was my buddy Danny Torres over the Talking 21 podcast. Uh, he put a quote from Branch Rickey up, who, of course, after he was done with his Dodgers days, worked for the Pirates and scouted uh, Roberto Clemente. He said, and then this is paraphrased. I don't have the quote in front of me. He said that he wouldn't change Clemente. Clemente can hit pitches out of the zone. If I tried to change him and turn him into a more patient, disciplined hitter, I would make him a worse hitter. He's good enough that he's going to learn what he can do and can't do and has to do and can't do to succeed in this game. I'm not putting Ronnie Mauricio in the same class anywhere near Roberto Clemente, but the same logic applies. If a player is this talented, if a player has this raw ability to hit baseballs really, really far all over the strike zone with the type of authority he does, there's a middle ground here. There has to be. And the only way that he's ever going to develop that tool at this level is by facing major league pitching, failing, learning, coming back with a head full of steam and kicking ass. And that goes for Beatty. That goes for, I mean, I'm not going to bring Alvarez into this because I've never seen a young hitter as confident as him. He thinks he can take everything out of the park. And that'll come down too. But Beatty, Vientos, Mauricio, these guys need experience now. They need to fail. And in Vientos and Beatty's case, they already have. Vientos, not to the same extent. He has like 140 plate appearances or something. But they needed to fail. Ronnie Mauricio will need to fail. Francisco Alvarez needed to have the dog days of summer stretch where he just got his ass kicked. That's fine. He didn't even get his ass kicked. He's doing all right. In June, he was incredible. Uh, incredible. In June, he was good. Um, 
you know, and now you, you just, it's a, it's, it's chess. I said it before you were different context, but it, it's the same thing. It's chess, man. Every move is, is two steps ahead of another move. And you already got to be thinking about the next one. If Narvaez is going to be taking more reps from Alvarez, if Alvarez is going to be easing it up a little down the stretch, learning, absorb everything you've just learned over the last few months and apply it. Apply it with a coaching staff who's been there, with teammates who have been there. It, it could be incredible for his development, for for the organization. If Francisco Alvarez or any one of those young baby Mets reach their full potential, that's a, that's a win. If all of them can hit the plateau of serviceable major league player, that means the Mets are a deep roster moving forward into the future. You just you can't beat it. You simply can't beat it. But we'll you know we'll see. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We'll see what happens. Um, at any rate, we should expect these guys to all at least play some part on the. 2023, 2023 Mets over the last, what do we have, six, five, six weeks are left. Um, I expect all these guys to show something, whether that's core guys, whether it's rookies, whether it's pitchers, bullpen, anyone who could either work their way into the future plans or are cemented into the future plans right now. You know, this is where you put the time in and the effort in to carry into next year. This is that two steps ahead thing. And I, I think that's, that's really all I got. I'm excited. I don't care about the record. I don't care about the wild card. I don't care about any of it. I'm excited for the Mets. I'm excited for the future of this franchise. Just like these players who needed to fail, maybe the New York Mets needed to fail to really, really learn and develop and get better and brighten their futures to just immeasurable levels. Man, I'm waxing poetic. I fucking love this team. Let's fucking go Mets. That's the sign-off. We'll see you guys next time, man. Check out the PSF app. Download it on on the App Store. I'm going live like two or three times a week. I'm speaking to myself. Not myself, but I'm speaking to just a a few people, guys. We're going to build. We're going to do good. It's going to be part of the family, the Apple, the Simply Amazing. By the way, the show over there is called Local 6986. Of course, 69 Mets, 86 Mets. It's like a union badge. Uh, The logo, it's pretty cool. But we'll see you guys next time. We'll be back once more. I would say probably end of of next week. Um, But, yeah, I'll let you all know. Peace.